anything is free reign. Actually, pronounce your last name for me. I'm sorry. Budin. Budin. I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Alex Budin. Yeah, no umlaut. From Jukebox. That's right. Nice to have you, man. Yeah, I, I honestly think that... Roscoe, we've started. You can't sneeze now. <laughs> I honestly think that um, Jukebox is the first... Pl- one of the first places I went to when I moved up here. From uh, Akron? Yeah, from Akron. Okay. I'm... I'm I'm almost positive because I remember, well, I remembered the name, Jewbox, and I, because when I was walking down that little street, um, before a lot of stuff, and this was five years ago, roughly? Yeah, we opened in 14, fall of 14. Okay. So. Okay, then, yeah, we had just moved up here, I think, because we've been in this house for about five years, but we were up here for like a year and a half prior to that. But I do remember it because it was one of the first places that we went to, and we kept going back, because I really liked the name a lot. Thanks. Um, You had a lot of different beers which i love yeah and uh i don't know i just really dug the little vibe that you guys had there so it's a it's a it's a cool spot yeah thanks we have 12 taps so like initially when we opened we've broadened it out a little bit but we used to only carry regional beers on draft just like let our bottle and can cooler sort of serve the the staples the bell's too hard at ale the pbr tecate that sort of stuff the things that are name brand that people ask for sure because the way i always interacted with the draft list when i go out is like I know the draft is going to be the most dynamic, the freshest, whatever. So always trying to keep it a little bit sort of, it felt like there were so many great regional breweries, whether it's Ohio, regional to the Great Lakes. So Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, that sort of deal. Oh, and canned beers though too. That that, that is the other thing that I really remembered. Because at least at the time, I didn't have, there weren't a lot of places that it was just drafts and bottles, but you had canned beers and I love that. Oh yeah. I I love canned beer. I, I, just, well, and Jeremy do. can speak to this too. Like the, like the way that beer is produced now. Like bottles were fashionable, like as though it was like a like a status symbol. Now, because of the way like light pollutes beer, now mm-hmm. everybody wants to be in cans. Yep. So there's no more of a pretense anymore of like b- bottle or can uh, sort of deal. Yeah, there's like, no more stigmatism to it, where it's like, oh, I don't drink out of cans because I can taste the can. Yeah. Remember those people? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, still. Like, yeah. it's metallic. I could pour it into a glass and hand it to you. You never knew it came out of a can. Agreed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I should probably explain because uh, Jeremy is actually here today. So, Brian um, had a bit of a, I don't know, he just, conflict, snafu. conflict, emer- conflict, emergency, snafu, a total sternic. So he wasn't able to uh, he wasn't able to make it today. And he he texted me. He's like, I do I can't make it. work. I don't know what to do. Can we reschedule? I'm like, nope. Because I've literally been talking to you, Alex, for about two months. I think. Yeah, maybe even longer. I definitely was like either end of May or early June, and you guys were trying to get me. I think to book a last minute like Sunday night. Yeah. We're taping this on a Sunday. Yeah. And my, at the time, we were sort of still in the infancy of reopening jukebox post pandemic and so i've been working a ton lately and my schedule is real unpredictable and so i think i was sort of leaving out with you that like the lack of availability was because i was working not because i was just like not interested in taping on a sunday i I assumed i I, well i assumed i mean i because you're i mean when you're running a bar rush anything like that it's not a nine to five job you know, you're going to have nights, you're going to have weekends. I don't even know when your, your weekend would be because weekends when you do probably most of your business. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, I, I, I got that. But, yeah, it was probably 
it was at least two months. So when Brian was like, can we reschedule? I'm like, I am not saying that to this guy. <laughs> also, it's in like four hours. Well, yeah. so, Jeremy's never have anything going on, so we can get Jeremy on it. That's exactly, that was my thought. I'm like, yeah. I saw Jeremy Friday. That does not look like a dude that has a lot going on. Especially on a Sunday. Especially on a Sunday. Well, actually, yeah, let's just turn this on Jeremy. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm not why, interested why in doing are, that at all. Why do you not have anything going on? We're here to feature on. you, pal. I guess yeah. so. Yep. I mean, a stand-up, a husband. Works two jobs, and you if have nothing going on. If that ring is really tied to, oh, yeah, that's true. I have, wife. Been, it's I a have ploy. been accused of not being married before. I heard that before. Yeah. It's a, it's, I can tell you what: having the ring on is a terrible way to try and get laid. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the, yeah, stupid ass heckler. That makes no sense. You might as well just wear a shirt that says Plus "Not the, into girls." What kind of quality woman would I be looking for that would be willing to sleep with me uh, because I was married? But maybe you didn't want a quality woman, and that's what you were going for. Mm. I think maybe is it just so that you can be like, "I'm going to be myself," and slowly slip off the <laughs> ring. Like that's the move. You're that guy. Like my wife doesn't have to know about this. Meanwhile, it's all a prop. Yeah, single the whole time. <laughs> you clever bastard. Here I am. Well, Saying there's you have no, nothing going there's on. There's no better sex than taboo sex. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> any, I'm just happy with any. I, I'm, I'm not going to label it. Yeah, why, yeah. why bother? No. So, yeah, so Jeremy came in. Um, and then Jeremy, as uh, I was texting Jeremy, I was just like, yeah, look, I can't reschedule on this guy. It's been too long, and I don't, that's rude especially last minute i'm like i mean he he's the owner of jukebox so you know he's he's i know he's busy and he's like alex I'm like you know this guy he's like yeah i do i'm like all right then this is this really is gonna work yeah, out I took, I took yeah. his cooler door off once <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i totally forgot about that oh my god yeah yeah like lifted off the, the door came right off the hinges yeah. right yeah oh my gosh i forgot about that That's so funny <laughs> yeah so yeah we go back we go back a ways. What were, were you drunk? Were you was that with sibling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I don't even remember. I was doing delivery for them for like six months until they can hire delivery people. Mm-hmm. I, sh- I drew the short straw on the sales team. Yeah, so oh boy, yeah, they got a sales team together and then they realized, oh, we don't have anybody to, to deliver any of this stuff. So I had to work delivery for like six or seven months until they the, can hire. Crew. I'll tell you, that is a. That is a trial by fire. I mean, we're not the only one with a subterranean delivery setup and just to, like, navigate steps and different heads, like, heights and basements and all that stuff. I, you're a brave man. Do you, yeah, it <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you, um, so you said open 2014, you said? Yeah, so we're, we're going to be celebrating seven years August 2nd. That's awesome. So, yeah, coming up quick. We missed a year. But we'll still take it. We yeah, take credit. Yeah, you're still open. Yeah. Yeah, Why yeah. did they start referring to that neighborhood as um, Hingetown? So the building was bought in 2000, I think it was in 2012, late 2012. The owner, Graham Vesey, who's a developer, he owns the firehouse where Rising Star Coffee is. And initially, he bought the firehouse to live in. He lived in... Wow. That's a two-door old fire, old school firehouse, but and actually, one side at the time still had like the pole, like to really? like, slide oh. from second floor to first floor. It's a really cool old building. Actually, not to go like super historical on the neighborhood where the firehouse sits, where Saucy sits, firehouse was there. Not the building that Saucy's in physically, but that location was actually the first police department for that area of Cleveland. Really? So, yeah, so the it used to be that 
what, what is now called West 29th Street used to be an extension of State Road. And so it was the intersection of church and state right there at 29th and Detroit, but it, or and 29th and church. But anyways, he ended up, he was living there, bought the building from like an old photographer and lived in one side. Rising Star was a startup, like roastery. They didn't even, that was all turn and burn. They didn't even have people sitting inside there. That was in 2012. In 13, he and his wife, Graham and his wife, Marika, bought the building that I'm in with the plans to redevelop it. It was owned by a guy named Richard who owned both the building and previously on the corner was a bar called Man's World. There's actually like a really broad LGBTQ history on that block. The first LGBT center in Cleveland was in our building. Dean Rufus House of Fun, which has been there for about 15 years. That's an LGBT friendly business owned by Dean Rufus, who himself is gay. And then you had Man's World, which was two part. It was Man's World was a bar, corner bar, but very open. And then downstairs was like a private leather club called the Tool Shed. Over the years, that building had seen some problems. I think I didn't, I never met Richard, but I got a sense that maybe let things happen that sort of caused some negative ripple effect in the neighborhood. I know prostitution and drugs were an issue. In fact, somebody at one point got shot and killed upstairs. That I mean, that might even be Damn. within the last 10, 15 years. Anyways, Graham bought the building as it was in, I believe, receivership. He got it. They had a plan. And once they owned both corners there, that's when they decided to brand the neighborhood Hingetown because they felt like Ohio City, that's a part of Ohio City. Ohio City goes from West 45th past 25th to the bridges south even of Lorraine. But to anybody that's from Cleveland, you know, at that time, and even now today, we're still sort of breaking this habit. But if you just said, oh, we're in Ohio City, people instinctively think, Westside Market, 25th and Lorraine. Yep. And it's hard to tell that story to be like, we're in Ohio City, but we're actually up at 29th and Detroit. So Hingetown, they felt like, was a way to describe it as like a flex point between the market district of Ohio City, the warehouse district across the river, and then Gordon Square, Detroit Shoreway, just down Detroit. Now, in essence, as the neighborhood has grown, 29th and Detroit really isn't that hinge, that flex point. It really is 25th and Detroit, but at the time that wasn't the case. Now there's development everywhere, and so everybody seems to know. If they don't call it Hingetown, they know it as like this pocket enclave of, within Ohio City. So I was part of a whole new group of tenants in that building there's two holdover tenants, but five other businesses that at the time were going in. So on each end of the block were two anchor tenants. Harness Cycle, which is run by Ann Hartnett, which, side plug, you should talk to her. She is great. Yeah? Yeah. She's really one of the sharpest people I've ever met and was, I underestimated how important her business was going to be to our block at the time. And Graham and Marika had it in their mind, like, why not program the building in a way that keeps as much activity on the street as possible? So they, they'll host spin classes as early as 5 a.m. The bar goes till 2.30. There's really only a few hours of true like inactivity there before it becomes active again. Yeah. Wow. So Harness is on one end. They were really the first big tenant to agree. And then on the other end was Cleveland Tea Revival. 
and Beat Jar Juice Bar, both great people, both great businesses, and then myself, and then at the time there was a business in the middle called Ohio City Dog Haven, which sadly closed, I want to say around four, 2015 maybe, um, but that now is occupied by Big Mouth Donut, and I would say that that stability of those businesses have been there for the last, let's just say, three plus years, but really it was those new tenants, myself and Amber Pompey, who owns Cleveland Tea Revival, and her husband, Michael George, they were opening that shop, and then Molly, Pamela, and Joseph Joseph were opening Beachar, and then Anne. And so I was moving back from Chicago to open my business. I'm from Cleveland, but I had been living in Chicago and out of, out of the area for about eight years. And so coming back, I was a little bit of a fish out of water. I'm from the east side, so moving to the west side. I the best part about that experience for me was like that I had this cohort built in of all first-time business owners. We we're all about the same age. There was some overlap in connectivity. I mean, even with Beachar and Cleveland Tea, we were all like enrolled in the same health department classes. Like it was really a fun environment from like mid-2013 until 2014 when we all opened. I was the last business to open new uh, just because our build out took a lot longer. But those businesses helped build up the neighborhood in the way Rising Star started to legitimize that area for foot traffic. You know, when you have a pocket where there's nothing uh, business wise and you have people going out of their way to get a cup of coffee, like they were serving two and 300 people a day, that's where grandma's like, there's a thing here and we got to figure out how to like build upon that. So that's where Hingetown comes from. I think the first time. Even though I saw it in a lot of the branding when we were going to the, going, I say we, but when I was looking at going to the area, was like, okay, well, what is this really? Well, then, like, within a year, it started showing up on real estate listings, and it was like, uh -huh. oh, well, clearly somebody is, like, this is a selling point for sure. people oh, to yeah, be yeah. in the area. And now there's just development like crazy. It's almost hard to remember the order of what things came. And you know, and it's, it's one, this is already the most informative podcast we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> usually people just come over here, get hammered, and leave. Uh, you, that's there's still time. That, okay. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Uh, that's always been a question of mine for, for all of them. I don't know where Gordon Square starts and ends. I don't know where Ohio City starts and ends. Uh, I don't know where... Hingetown starts it like I yeah. don't know. I just know they're all right by each other, and I go to all of them a lot. Sure, Th that's the only thing. Well, that, that's, so, that's interesting. So Detroit Shoreway is technically the next like neighborhood to the west of Ohio City. Ohio City has its own CDC. Detroit Shoreway now they've. It's actually somewhat breaking news. They just merged with Cadell neighborhood like yesterday. They announced this, but wow. but Detroit Shoreway was the next area, but Gordon Square, like Hingetown is a neighborhood within a neighborhood like battery park is yes. a neighborhood within detroit shoreway detroit shoreway is the whole place gordon square is just 65th in detroit where all the theaters are the right. capitol cleveland public theater and uh near west theater we're becoming so, as complicated as new york at this point yeah well you know yeah. it's i've been because i haven't been i haven't lived in cleveland that long i've been here six years i think seven maybe but the the area the hinge town actually probably i think the, the the best examples are hinge town and gordon square is just even the difference even in the time that i've moved here to today is i mean especially actually your neighborhood is drastically different yeah it's wild uh the high rises the the i'm not saying it's bad um you know i know some people like it some people don't um 
but it's it's very it's crazy to see how it's changed. Like Gordon Square, like 65th right there. I remember being there because Terrestrial was one of the first uh, uh, breweries that we went to, yeah. and there was a bar that was right next to it. Cha. It's what Good Time is now. Oh. oh, Good Company. It's Good Company now. It used to be a bar. And I don't know what it was because oh, I don't man. think it was a very wildly popular place. Yeah, and it was, was kind of hidden back I there. I was one of my customers and I don't remember. Uh, now I don't there. remember because I used to go in there. Yes, um, I liked they, the bar a lot. They had like, I remember their seats at the bar were real plush. Like yeah. big back yes. chairs. Yes. And, yeah, I was in there a few times. They also like really played up because that was when the Shoreway, that Shoreway building that, yeah. that's in, that was developed as like apartments. And then they had this air, this restaurant bar downstairs but the whole back half of it was all market yeah. because they really wanted it to feel like a, a an interactive place for their tenants i think they even had a coffee shop part-time but boy that feels so brief i don't even really remember what that yeah, was called really like a, kind of like a grocery store too yeah it was uh, I, I just the, the reason i even brought that up is because i remember being in there and i remember kind of asking about like the neighborhood because at the time we were renting mm. and because we it was still hard. It was really hard to find a house because um, they all just went up so quickly. There was no waiting for it. Like we literally, I think, found, saw, offer, accepted this house in three hours because our realtor's like, it's gone tomorrow. We had the same experience. We now, my wife and I, we live on 65th right across from Toast Restaurant. And it was, we had looked everywhere. Like we really wanted to stay in Cleveland proper. So yeah. we had somewhat of a finite list, but like we we're starting to look at rentals because we were like, I guess we're not going to find a place to buy. Yeah. And then we saw a listing. I, I know the order. It, it went, it went on the market at noon on a Thursday. We were in it by two o'clock. We had an offer by 5 PM and yeah. an accepted offer the next morning. <laughs> we, and yeah. we had people leaving a showing when we arrived there and coming after us. So like you could feel the urgency there. And so oh, we yeah. feel, really feel like we lucked out in that regard. But. I We did too. Cause we'd kind of given up on, we just couldn't find one in Lakewood. Yeah. Lakewood, I love Lakewood, but it, it has a lot of streets that are uh, just constant rentals and, and duplexes. And I don't want to live on a, a revolving neighbor i just wanted to like the, re the road that we're on now there's no rentals it's all just that yeah um only because i associate rentals with loud kids and i'm at that age where yeah. where loud kids annoy me like i don't i can't i can't do i'll it. try and keep it down <laughs> yeah. a couple doors down i have those kids yeah and th th that's and i was just like i just don't want to live because uh, you know i just we're gonna get a bad neighbor i know it and they're gonna be right next door to us. <laughs> so we found this, but ours was. Sometimes you it was just about feel like running at your front door and be like, "I used to be you." Oh, I know. <laughs> I used to be you. But Trust you me. Shut up right now. You're making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is not. This is your end future. Well. Yeah. This is what it looks yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you're not gonna want to take your shirt yeah. off. <laughs> but yeah, I remember being. At ours was same thing. It was about three hours, and it was worse because my wife was out of town. And her flight was delayed, so I had to do it all myself. Mm. And on the surface, I'm like, yeah, man, I can. It, as soon as it came time that I may have to make the decision as to whether or not this was the house we were going to buy by myself without her input, was fucking terrifying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, I'm imagine. like, I'm doing videos, like walking around through the house, and I'm sending her the videos. I'm like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And she's like, I, 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 think, we, I think we can do it. But it was about three hours. Yeah. Well, that's where the trust between you and your wife, like, 
It was yeah. tested most. Well, that was my first that wife. We, we divorced. She oh, didn't yeah, like the yeah. house. Yeah. She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my new wife is. She's actually buried in the backyard, so yeah. Yeah. she's going to be yeah. here forever. Which is why I had Jeremy go out there and pee in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I remember being in that bar kind of asking about the neighborhood because we were looking. And at the time, at least the, I didn't know, the, 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 their answer was like, it's still kind of like half and half. Like, it's still very much developing. There's still some problems here. And then now, I'm like, when I walk, I'm just, I, I, it's like I don't feel... I don't feel like uncomfortable or like unsafe walking around there. It's just, it's very, very different. And then like those homes, like the ones like around toast, which is another fantastic restaurant. I yeah. love that place. Um, walking around there, like so all those new homes that are going up there. I mean, I just, and now like we've even had discussions like, fuck, I, I really wish we bought down here because yeah. it's a really cool area and it's just gotten better and better. And it's still keeping a lot of those. I'm not, and I might be wrong cause I'm not fully paying attention, but I'm not seeing businesses get run out of the new ones take over i'm just seeing more businesses and for the most part it looks like a lot of the, the the staples of like that neighborhood five years ago six years ago whatever some of the ones you named in your area too are still there and I, yeah I like that. and that's certainly the hope i think that i think it takes like some of the developers in the area to sort of recognize that like this is what the neighborhood the sort of modern iteration of the business community there is built on these smaller mom and pop places yeah you know i'm not shy about saying it like I don't know that I could open my business in my neighborhood right now because of that development, because of the yes. cost per square foot, but I'm lucky where I'm at. I'm anchored in. I've got a really healthy long lease there, so I feel like I'm not worried about that. And I and I know I have a mutual respect with my landlord that he understands that I've held up my end of the bargain and I'm not a shitty bar owner and we aren't like a nuisance to the community, so it's probably to his benefit that me and the other businesses that have been in the neighborhood now seven and eight years that we can continue to do business there as long as we want to so I think that's awesome yeah. i really do I, I keeping growing neighborhoods and improving neighborhoods i don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that but keeping the character that kind of has always, has always i think that that's how i kind of view your place is is the neighborhood like the character of that neighborhood like if an auto zone went across the street i'd be kind of bummed yeah totally you know what i mean like the, the, there's something about areas like that that i think that's why people keep coming back to it because it's almost like a it's just a cool i don't i don't know what any other way to really describe it. it's like it's just like a cool area yeah. i really 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 like it yeah and that's why we always go back for many of the i mean there's probably not i can't think of a business that's directly around me that's like a chain like that's like mm -hmm. a nameless face chain like there's not a subway there's not something that's like oh well that's just that and i think that even like my landlord, Graham Vesey, you know, he is very purposeful with that. Like he wanted to work with someone like myself and, and the other business owners I described, but he has new developments now with big brand new, you know, white box spaces. But I think he probably could work with different like big chain places, but it seems like he's waiting out to work with somebody who's like putting their their themselves totally into it sort of deal. i mean yeah it seems like it's working too i mean i think again it's not like that that place is struggling in terms of development i mean no. more people are living there and more businesses are opening there that north high just opened right next to it yeah which i didn't like even know overnight like it just like popped up it was yeah. wild it's no announcement nothing. the only way i found out about this, this is not a joke i had a guy cleaning my windows and he's outside 
washing the windows and I saw him like walk across the street to Saucy and I've known the guy who I was like what was that about he was like he's like oh he's like the guys that are sitting over having a beer across the street said the windows look so good we're opening a brewery and we want you to clean our windows I was like oh that's interesting like where's the brewery and he's like right there and he pointed across the street over I was like there's no brewery going over there. He's like, yeah, they said they're going right over there next to Bounce. I was like, no, they're opening up like a co-working space over there. That's, yeah. And then that was it. I talked, started talking to some people in the community, and they were like, yeah, they, I guess Cohatch, which is this co-working space, that that's their new. That's they had always conceptualized like a restaurant, but North High was not on anybody's radar. Yeah, and in the night, they came, they came totally. They, they came out of. I mean. When my my wife, it's, I think she just found it dumped, like just scrolling through on social media and found it by. She wasn't looking for it. She's like, you know, they're opening a North High in Cleveland. And I'm like, where? And she's like, and then she's like, over by uh, Jukebox and Saucy. And I'm like, when? She's like, I think it's open. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't, I I had heard that, and then it wasn't for a couple of weeks. It was like I guess they're opening a brewery over there, and then like one day there were balloons outside, and it was yeah. like, oh, I guess they're. This is happening right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I peeked my head over there. It's, I mean, that space sat vacant for so long. And it's a, it's we, nice. We did go there. It, it's a, it, they have a cool, it's a cool layout. Um, they got the garage door thing. They got basically the patio and like part of, which is in, almost in the parking lot. Like it's yeah. like part of the parking lot. So the whole thing kind of stay open. And it's actually a, a, a good size too. Yeah. And I actually do like North High Beer. I, I've, been there yeah, a couple times in Columbus. I just, I was excited. I was just like, I just, how did they do this? And I never noticed. Like, yeah, I we've carried their beer before. I had no idea that that was their model to like, you know, open up these like satellite pubs because they're not actually brewing there, but all the beer is yeah. their own. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's you know what? It's good for the. It's good to take a space that was sort of empty and listless. I mean, that's. I do know a little bit about Cohatch that that's sort of their mission. They're Columbus, they're a Columbus-based company, and they try to invest. Literally, they buy these properties that are sort of stagnant in different communities. I think they have like maybe seven across the state and are looking to expand. So, like, it was a corner that was somewhat dead. It's in an area that's highly uh, developing quickly, yeah. especially right on Detroit there. So it'll be perfect. I mean, you were alluding to the you know the amount of apartments. It's not an exaggeration to say that since Jukebox opened that there's been, I think the number is something like 1,200 new units have been built within like a yeah. quarter mile. Minimal. Like yeah. it's all, if you just go from Franklin north to Detroit, like, they're all there. And that was an initiative that Ohio City Incorporated had going back to their 2013 strategic plan where they were like, we already have, we've already seen all the buildup development-wise on 25th, the bars, the restaurants, the residential. They're like, let's start to actively try and program these corridors of Detroit Avenue, Lorraine Avenue, like we were talking earlier, where Platform's at. Like even that, is its own little neighborhood, the Solo District, like anything south of Lorraine Avenue, because they were having a tough time distinguishing themselves 
still a part of Ohio City, but sort of far that's wa- a, further west. And a, that's a good point because because I'd never actually associated that with Ohio City. I thought it was too far away. Yeah, but that's another little strip area right there. Like that new restaurant, Heart of Gold, just opened up. Yeah, that was where the plum was. Yeah. And then Which you've sucks, got because I did like the plum. The plum was good. I yeah. did. I, I liked it. We only went there a couple of times. So I was bummed, but we already checked out Heart of Gold, and uh, uh, the food is good. Yeah, I burgers. thought the food was very very good. Yeah, we went there. My wife and I went there a week or so ago, had a smash burger, and, you know, it's a gorgeous space. They built it out to be a finer dining restaurant, and, you know, I think that the pandemic just, like, changes, like, I think that they maybe, even as a, from a business structure, they were like, we got to retool, we got to figure out things that'll go in a to-go box if who knows what happens next year or whatever. They're like, let's just be prepared for that. They've minimized, like, their service staff, so you just sort of, like, walk up and order, and... Um, I'm just glad that they're back. Yeah, I think that's cool. I I do want to give you a couple of quick shout-outs here, too, because aside from uh, owning a pretty badass like bar you're also you've also done something that no one else has ever done what's that as now? a guest is that you brought beer and presents no <laughs> you'd be surprised and i don't know why because i've had this conversation I thought this was a normal thing you always get presents no <laughs> never it is so stupid no one brings a shit <laughs> the only people that have ever brought beer penny uh baron from penny Russia. she brought beer um, which I, and I've, I've talked to her a couple, I've known, I wasn't terribly surprised at that. She's like, yeah, we're going to yeah, brewery. What am I, an that. asshole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Haley brought beer. Eileen Dorsey brought beer. Um, and I think she brought beer because I went to college with her brother and she just assumed that I wanted beer. I didn't even uh, bring beer and I work for a distributor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, well, don't I feel like an asshole? Like I brought two beers that aren't your from your place. So I, you know, had I, know, I didn't you didn't know. You didn't, you yeah. didn't, you didn't I, know. You didn't know he was going to be here. It's never even crossed my mind. It's so funny. Yeah. I guess next time. Yeah. Maybe I'm not in work mode right now. I'm off the clock. Yeah. I've yeah. always I've always joked around that my wife said that before too. She's just like the very the only thing I would bring if I was a guest on a podcast is beer. I would bring drinks, and I'm, uh, Lindsay brought wine. Wine, yeah. I, I listened to that episode, and you guys were drinking like a rosé or something. Yeah, and... it was gone in like fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking around about like yeah, drinking some wine, and someone's like, "Miss more wine," and she's like, "It's gone." So, <laughs> Lindsay, I got to tell you a story. So Lindsay and I, we we've known each other for a while. Like I remember, she I was introduced to her sitting at the bar at Jukebox. She came in with a mutual friend and was like, I'm opening this wine spot down the street and just wanted to introduce herself and and also wanted to just sort of pick my brain. So we've remained close, especially during the pandemic. Like nobody really knew what they were doing during that period of time. So we were like, how are you handling this? And that sort of thing. So now that like things, business is back in session and we're all like sort of running ragged a little bit, we are collectively not having a lot of free time. And so (laughs) I saw her like a week ago. Thank you. I saw her like a week ago at Jukebox on a Friday night. It was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing here? Like you're out. Like this is real. She was like, yeah. Like, and as far as I know, she got a moment away. She got, and she, yeah, she was out with some friends. So we were laughing about that. So then the next night, like just sort of circumstance, I was able to leave Jukebox. (laughs) So I went home, I met with my wife and she was like, we're over, she's like, we're going to go over to Toast or something. I was like, okay, I'll go over, it's across the street from us. So went over there. Lo and behold, Lindsay's sitting on the patio at Toast. And I was like, I can't believe this. Two nights in a row, we're free. And she's like, she's like, close your tab. We're fucking going to flight and we're going to do a <laughs> shambong. So we got like 
eight of us to caravan over to flight. And have you have you guys seen? Did she talk about the shambongs with you yeah. guys? Oh, yeah. Have you guys done those? I've not. Done I haven't any. done it. No, I'll tell no. you, it's worth it. It's <laughs> so much fun. Like they, we were there. It was around the Fourth of July, so they had like everyone. Every you know, one was like red, white, and blue with like food coloring. It was just like such a trip. But like one of those those like perfect nights where it's like we're both free. We got to take advantage of this. We got to go out and do this. So well, you know, in that because. I could tell from like a lot of the like even the stories that she was telling in the way that she kind of addressed, you know, flight itself because you know she was like, uh, and and I'm I'm guessing it's going to be similar similar for you because you're the way you're talking about like you believe that we're actually outside on a night like this and we don't have to work because yeah. it's usually going to be you know the busy time and you know she's like it's just kind of your life you know it's it's not you're working not necessarily working all the time but you're thinking about work a good part of the time because she's like it's just. You know, the fridge breaks or, yeah. you know, all of a sudden there's something wrong with the oven or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the, the something else is just breaking. Yeah. She's like, what it's new like, nightmare am I it's going like, what, to? Yeah, what shit show am I? Like, I, yeah. she's like, I don't come to work, pour one, collect money and go home. That's not my, that's not what I do. Yeah, she's my like, wife that's what I'd pretty, ideally like to do. My wife is pretty blessed where she has like a business partner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like being part owner of LBM and everything like yeah. her and Eric share a lot of the responsibilities together. So if one's not there, like the other one can actually have a personal life. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, Eric was the same way. Eric over LBM, he came yeah. on too. Oh, cool. And you can, and geez, you want to talk about like a story about, I mean, those guys just building that entire thing. And it's another one of those, just like those kind of staples that I always, if someone comes in town, there's like, there's like five or six places that I'm like, you definitely got to check this place out. Yeah. Like LBM is another one. I just, I really like, I like those guys. I like what they do. And it's just, and that place has character. Totally. Like yeah. it Built very much has character. character. Yeah. The nice thing about the, I guess the pandemic for them was they were able to have the time to reevaluate, um, how, how things, how they were doing things, how like, how they wanted to once they got reopened again. How they want to restructure mm-hmm. what it, like what what their menu was going to be like when they came yeah. back and everything like that. And then yeah, they they also had to hit the ground running when it came because they didn't really do a whole lot of carry out business. So having to learn that side of it was almost almost a blessing for them because they didn't really that hadn't been a factor in their business model. But now that it's a thing to have to sustain their business model. It, they've pivoted really well and quickly. Yeah. So. Well, I have a lot of respect for LBM. I mean, you know, during when the pandemic, you know, started and as it started to evolve over last summer and into the fall, you know, I was really taking cues from a lot of the businesses that I knew and liked and trusted. And LBM is really top of that list. I mean, the way that they prioritize their customers and their employees and safety uh, was really admirable. And I will say just from my own experience, like like we were sort of alluding to, I don't have a business partner, but I'm incredibly lucky with a really great crew. Uh, most of my staff has been with me for years. I mean, one of them has been with me basically since day one. And so we became increasingly closer during the pandemic because it was like, I'm not sitting here making decisions without like everybody's input. So when we decided to close, it was a group decision. When Mm -hmm. we decided to let people come back in for inside dining, it was a decision we made as a group. When we dropped masks, we were probably the last ones to do it, but it was because 
it was all about where we were in our vaccination cycle and yeah. ready to ready to do that. We started with from within, and I think a lot of the reason that we survived the pandemic is because our customers respected that we were looking out for each other and our customer base. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've gotten to know Eric just a little bit. I didn't know your wife was involved with that place. Yeah. Really great. Yeah, my wife was there. I think two nights ago, having a pretty good night. <laughs> you know the uh, I've never walked in there and not left a hundred dollars lighter. Yeah, <laughs> I just because I'm not even like I'm more just like, honestly just like a beer or whiskey guy. But when I go in there, I like their drinks so much, like the the their cocktails. Yeah, I mean me me and my wife just fire through that, and we all, and we know it's gonna happen too. You know, uh, she's like, you want to go to LBM? I'm like, I always want to go to LBM. Yes, of course. I love their food and I love their drinks. And she's like, okay, let's just go like have one or two. And then like three hours later, she's just like, all right, so we can't go out tomorrow. I'm like, <laughs> it's just, but it's, you said something. And I, I honestly think that Lindsay might have said the exact same thing. She was like. LBM was kind of like one of the. She's like, of course, we're gonna talk to the the neighborhoods, like the like for her, like uh, like Happy Dog, and it was right by sure, them. Yeah. Um, but uh, she said something similar in terms of you. We were kind of looking at the uh, the other, not necessarily all the other businesses neighboring, but the other ones that that they kind of respect and like and and know. And she, I think, said LBM specifically. She said that was kind of like my benchmark when you know when I'm like. Drop mask. Well, LBM's not dropping mask, and everyone knows that they really take yeah. care that they care about their customers and their employees. That's very, very. I think that's why places like that get packed as soon as it opened back up because everyone wants to support totally, it. Totally, yeah, very, very much. But she said something very, very similar. They were kind of one of the one of the ones that she was always looking to as kind of like a model of how to do it. And you know, and like like I say, like Lindsay and I were talking during the pandemic. I I have a great relationship with both the guys from Cleveland Bagel, like. They, we were texting regularly, whether it was like safe health and safety protocols, but also like, hey, did you apply for this grant? Did you get your PPP money? How did that process go? Like all of that stuff was very like present for all of us. And there was no real rubric. Like it was the, the unemployment website was hard to navigate. All of the, the state and citywide programs were yeah. like, like we're not, that's, we're not professionally in a business of like getting financial aid. So it was like really challenging for us to all figure it out together so sharing tips and tricks and you know i feel stronger because of that business community and now we're all back going again we've made it to the other side so yeah feeling great. good yeah and what a big you, big kudos to my customers too because uh, i know they're you, all listening what were you uh doing in chicago before jukebox so i i have a degree in accounting and a mi i minored in entrepreneurship knowing that i sort of wanted to have the business acumen to run my own business, but I didn't want to be an accountant. But when you graduate school with an accounting degree and you don't want to be an accountant, you're pretty much useless to the accounting community and you feel a little lost. So <laughs> I, I end up, uh, I, I started working for, when I was in high school, I, uh, my, myself and a group of guys that I graduated with, we started a landscape, uh, a landscaping company. So when I was out of college, I started working for one of our suppliers. So I was working in outside sales. I was based in Atlanta for a little over a year. And then I moved to Chicago because some friends were moving that way. And it felt like there was a good opportunity for me to take work within the same company and, and be in that market. And I got burnt out on the travel. I was traveling all the time. We had big contracts with like 
Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards. And so mm. I was just all over the U.S., mostly driving. Like in the Chicago market, I was covering like Home Depots and Lowe's from Minneapolis to Pittsburgh. So like wow. and everywhere Ooh, yeah. down as far south as like Louisville. So it was like for two months, three months, twice a year, I was just driving and going in and out of these stores, coaching people up on ordering stuff that is such a like you know people talk about like oh in a past life i'm only 37 years old like i shouldn't have that much in my in my rearview mirror but i've been now in the bar and restaurant business so long that that feels like so long ago in my life yeah so i was looking to make a little extra money i was also working in a very solitary work environment so i wanted to meet more people living in Chicago. I was right in the near north side. There was things happening all around me. All my friends were working down in the loop and all over the place and had these big robust social networks. And meanwhile, I'm in a car driving around between Hampton Inns and was like, this sucks. So yeah. there was a neighborhood bar that I used to go visit. Uh, we used to go to all the time and we be befriended some of the staff there. And I was like, if you ever need some help, like I have no experience, but I'd be happy to help out. Now that I'm in my position, like I sort of, I'm waiting for a younger version of me to walk in and be like, I'll do anything, which was basically where I was at. And they were like, I don't really know. Like I wasn't like trying to get behind the bar, but in Chicago, like it's not uncommon for even like the most casual of neighborhood bars to have somebody checking IDs at the door just because mm -hmm. it's a big yeah. city. Sure. So they asked me to come in and, and do that. And my first day was St. Patrick's Day. Ooh. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was thrown into the fire. Good Lord. So, And I'm like <laughs> not a very imposing person. I wear glasses. I'm sort of like skinny white guy. And I just was always like, hey, stop doing that. Like pushing my glasses <laughs> up. See like, here, mister. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> I saw that. I saw. I actually saw... I saw an uh, 18 year old Alex today at the Apple store. Did you? Yeah. Oh, dude, he was like, because I only noticed this kid because he was wearing a security polo. Like, he was their security. And I and I wasn't trying to be mean or anything, but I'm just like, seriously. Like, that's the guy. If I decided front. to come in here, whether I was invited or not, what, what are you really going to do? Yeah, exactly. And, and also, he couldn't have been anymore. He looked like he was 16. I'm just like, someone, that's someone in HR to just. Did not know how to hire. <laughs> that is not that is not the security guy. Well, that, maybe that's what happens when you Zoom hire during the pandemic. They, it's like it's only from the neck up. You can only see so much. It's blurry. He's like, no, no, I have a ton of security experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyways, I did that, and I quickly realized that it was both a fun job. It was, you know, I was money hungry at the time. So, like, it was the best job when, like, all you want to do is go out and be social with friends, but it was costing a lot of money to go out. It was like, well, if I work at this bar, I'm still going to see many of the people I know and like, and they're going to pay me. So it's like I was doubling up on my loss of what it would have been to just go out. <laughs> so I was like, you exactly. Out. <laughs> I was like, this is a net positive. Uh, but so, <laughs> so. I've crunched I, the numbers, and this, this yeah. makes sense. I have to work at this bar. Which, yeah. You have coming up with that was, decision was you in front of, like, uh, one of those uh, calculators. Like, does this add up? Yeah, it was actually one of those old, like, he's, like holding, he's holding a beaker. He's mixing yeah. something for some reason. He's one like, of those yes. old, like, calculators with tape. I'm pulling up the tape, like, yes, <laughs> this works. <laughs> Brilliant. How's your abacus game? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a little rusty, as is my abacus at this point. But so I I probably 
checked IDs for like six months, nine months or something like that. I was working like one or two nights a weekend. And I was still at that point, part of the time I was working in this landscape job, but eventually I stopped doing that and started working in a real estate. I was doing, I got my broker's license. I was running a property management office and I really thought that was my path. But I really liked this bar I was working at and I had a great opportunity working for an owner operator. And, you know, he, when I think back to it, he was probably my age now. And I think he had, well, I know he was married with two young kids and was starting to think about life beyond the bar. So somebody like me, who was just like a sponge for information, was the perfect recipe for him to be like, yeah, you want to learn how to do this? Like, I'll teach you how to do it. And eventually I started bar backing. I bar backed for probably a year and a half. And I still think that's the best experience I ever had in the bar business because he always would tell me, he'd be like, if you know how to bar back, you know how to do everything except for one thing. The last, the last detail you get taught before you start actually bartending is learning how to look up. Because everything bar backing is head down, yeah. looking like staying out of people's way, getting small, knowing where pe things are at and how to move. All of that stuff I learned from being behind the bar. And really even my security experience was something like I know how to defuse a situation and, and all of those things. But at one, one point or another throughout that, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just like dive into this and see what I can learn. And so I started working full time there. Uh, bartending. Eventually, I was managing a small team, like mostly doing superficial scheduling type things, but getting involved with the business day to day. And he knew that I was interested ultimately in like, this is where I want to go with my career. And so one day he just sort of threw it out to me. He's like, hey, a guy that I know is trying to sell a bar over in the West Loop Bars and liquor licensing are different in Chicago, so it's not like here where you can move it around and yeah. stuff. He's like, there's a bar over in the West Loop. It's in an old gas station. Go check it out. And he's like, T I'll tell him you're coming over there. So I ended up like having my dad come out and meet. I was like, I have no idea where this is going, but let's at least go explore this. It ended up going nowhere. It was like a real weird situation that I'm glad I didn't go down. But the wheels started turning, like, the minute that he told me about it. So then, like, well, I got to find a bar. Like, I got to do that. And candidly, I was living in Chicago thinking Chicago's the plan. I moved out of Cleveland in 2007 thinking, like, Cleveland's dead. There was, you know, for a young man, like, there were no women. There was, like, two places to hang out. And it was, you know, just not a place for a single guy. I was wanting to sort of sow my oats and go mm -hmm. out and see the world. And so I, you know, I moved around a little bit and I thought Chicago had everything I was looking for. I started pursuing some bar opportunities there. There was one in particular that I, I thought, I thought I was going to buy a bar in Chicago and I was at, on the doorstep of it. But bar and restaurant groups are so powerful there. I mean, I'm not convinced that there's not like mob relationships still in place that sort of prevent this. But when a bar's on the market and I'm the bidder, I got outbid by a restaurant group. And to the best of my knowledge, they never did anything with this place. They just bought it so that they had it. Yeah. And it's there. I'm glad you said that because I always thought to myself, I'm pretty sure the restaurant groups in Chicago are just money scrubbers. 
Possibly. Like, it's just a big, huge laundering scheme for old mob money. It's, yeah, definitely, I could see that potential. And at the very minimum, doing business when you're a nobody is is challenging, I think, anywhere, but specifically difficult in a city like Chicago where they've got these, there's these massive restaurant groups that they really pull the strings. And anyways, when that deal fell through, it was like May of 2013, and I was, I, I don't, I didn't think like the world had come to an end, but I was really feeling down about it. Like I thought this was it. And so I came home to Cleveland just like for a weekend. I was out in, I grew up out in Chagrin Falls. So I was with some friends out there, uh, other high school friends and was like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, whatever. But so we're here in town, we're, you know, going out in downtown Chagrin. I mean, it's not really like a big social scene. And we were just like, we were having beers. It was like nine o'clock at night on a Thursday, and and one where of my, Grove Hill. Uh, we were at the flip side, oh, old Joey's. Yeah. If anybody remembers Joey's yeah. Restaurante down there, so we're sitting there, and and a buddy of mine says he's like, "Hey, I think I heard that they opened up a hostel down in Ohio City, like in Cleveland." He's like, "We should go down there." I was like, "Well, yeah, let's go check it out." I'm like, "I don't think we could go right now." We called, and. Somebody picked up. It was the owner, Mark Raymond, who at that time, all of the phone calls were going to his cell phone. For all I know, he was like out at a bar on 25th Street answering the phone in a bathroom being like, yeah, if you want to come down, I'll check in. So he probably walked over and met us. We drove down there. It was about 10 o'clock, checked in. And I don't know if you guys feel this way. I don't know about you, Joe, but like Cleveland, the the growth and re you know sort of that rebirth you know rust belt revival thing that happened in the mid aughts it felt like it were it was slow steps and then it became like really swift strides Mm. so having cleveland ties i was coming back to the area fairly regular regularly but like it was to go to a baseball game it was to go to a football game but every time I came back, it was like, oh, that's new, that's new. And, and then it became like, wow, like most of this is new. And you just felt like there was so much happening. You, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, Bill Squire, we, we, were, we had almost the exact same conversation because Bill, I think Bill's like 38, I think, around there. But he and I were talking about how like when we were kids, you know, we would come up to go to a baseball game. But when you come up, but then like 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 in the, the the 90s when you'd come up and go to a baseball game, you came up, you went to the game, and you left. Yeah. When you go to a game now, like when my wife and I go to a game, it, it's 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 an all day event. You go like, early. Well, where you are we going to go to eat first, and then mm-hmm. we'll grab a drink there, then we'll go to the game, and then afterwards we can meet because of all the everything that you're talking about is it that that rebirth. See, that's the, so different than my experience because when like growing up, we we go to the ball game. We're going to Flatiron first to go get something to eat. And then we they at Flatiron and still to this day, they'll give you like a like a bus ride from Flatiron to whatever stadium you're going to. So we would go get food there, take the bus, uh or the whatever the thing that they had to the stadium, go watch the mm. game, and then go back to Flatiron. My uncles would probably hang out, have a few beers. But I also come from like uh, you know, a long line of like bartenders and bar owners, yeah. and so it's it's I don't it's just it's it's such a social. It's you were talking about like like when you left that not really having a social scene, yeah. Which and I agree with you, especially you know again late nineties like early two thousands. It's just 
you know, it, I mean, God, how many boarded up buildings were there in downtown? I mean, it you was, know, it was, it was much just different. East Fourth hadn't like got closed yeah. to pedestrian to, to vehicular traffic at that point. Everything was happening on West Sixth Street. And you know what? There's a time and a place for everything. I definitely went to all those bars, mm-hmm. but there wasn't much, many options. And and the few times that I went down to like Great Lakes, like I don't know if you remember what it was like to walk from Great Lakes to Garage Bar, which is now Nano. Yeah. But like it was a scary walk. Oh yeah. And it's like a block and a half. It's yeah. not shouldn't be that daunting. But you had yeah. a lot of empty storefronts. You had. A club, Moda, I think it was called, where yeah. Mitchell's is, where it was like eventually somebody got shot up outside of there, and it was like you just didn't. You felt like you were in, uh, you you felt like you were in like an unsafe city environment. And I don't yeah. want to be. I'm not like afraid of my shadow. It was just like, all right, know where you're going, get there quickly, and just like that was the mode. Right. And yeah, so, the, the, but that's why for me, like when I was coming to the, you go to the game, and then you leave. Yeah, sure. Uh, because I'm like, I don't want to be walking around downtown Cleveland. Yeah. You know, and now I'm like, I would happily. It was like what I was talking about, like with uh, uh over on 65th Street. You know, I, I, it was one of those things. Like w- when that bartender told me it was still kind of like there's still some problems. It didn't dawn on me until she when she said that because I walked there and I felt fine. Then she told me that I was like shit. And then the walk back got real scary because then she put it in my mind. But yeah. I mean, that that was the way it was. Like again, it's not necessarily that. But there's little things that make you feel like it's like when I see like a lot of boarded up windows. I'm like, what the hell happened here? Yeah. But that's just and again, that's that's another. I everything. I completely agree. It's just it's very different everything is different the, the growth and it feels like things were popping up all the time now yeah new restaurants new this immigrant son that's been opening for four years oh <laughs> you know? yeah you know? i mean well the, i mean it's just like stuff like that like yeah. it's just it's well and and i think for me too like a big part of it was that the guy who checked us into the hostel was the owner of the hostel yeah and it was like oh like you own this place and like you live in this area and then like Next thing you know, like he's hanging out with us and we're like learning his story. And I started to just like, you know, having a couple of pops doesn't hurt. It's like, oh, like you, you're doing this. Like maybe I'll do this. And then, you know, we went down to Nano and Nano was new at the time. And I remember sitting at the bar. I was with, like I say, I went down with a buddy of mine from high school who's like professionally handsome. But we're sitting that we're sitting there at the bar and this woman this attractive woman just like walked up and started talking to us and like i get it my friend matt is a gorgeous man but is like that what it says on his business card like the, professionally we actually prefer it, prefer it just has his gifted. picture <laughs> yeah we prefer to be called gifted I'm we, gifted we don't looking. <laughs> yeah yeah well it, i think there was it was a little revelatory i was like there are single women here now. Like there yeah. are women that are out and about. Like that was a foreign idea from the 2007 version of Cleveland that I left, where it was like me and my buddy Mike going downtown and always coming back, just like, well, try again next week. Like yeah. you know, like was, was that 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 original like kind of like offer in Chicago? Like, hey, check out this bar. Was that almost like a? You didn't really know what you wanted until someone actually offered it to you? I think I didn't know how available it was or yeah. how close I was to being able to realize that goal. Okay. You know, it's sort of you I think that this is true in any industry. Like you you sort of live within what 
what boundaries and guidelines are in front of you. Like, it's only when it's like, you can do this. And I, that's not true. There's self-motivators and things like that. But I think it was like him looking at me and being like, you should look at this at buying it, that I was like, oh, well, I'm not just going to go there and like think about buying it without thinking about a business plan. So even before th the step of going to the place, I started figuring like, what days of the week are we going to be open? What are we going to sell? What does our yeah. volume need to be? And starting to figure out so that if they asked me a direct question about what it was worth to me, I could quantify and answer that question. And that's when like it really became like that became almost my own side job of writing my business plan for what became Jukebox. And actually, the concept of Jukebox was always the same. And the name was always the same. The idea was that it was going to be like literally... A, a square business with a bar in it that would have a jukebox in the middle of it that would be a living breathing jukebox in many ways like the music is the bar and the bar is the music it's all together it's so jukebox it, has been open for seven years but it's been in your brain for like 10, 10 probably yeah yeah, okay. yeah well and you know a lot of it was i credit or discredit like the touch tunes generation that the advent of that really helped sort of be like, oh, like, all right, if I'm going to own a bar, I want it to be everything that Touch Tunes is not. Yeah. And it's not like, I'm not indicting Touch Tunes, but like the way people use it where it's like, we're not going to play this because we think that it will enhance the experience. We, we will do this because it will disrupt the experience. Or the fact that there's no, like... Uh, there's no programming to it that says like this is our mood right now and somebody comes in and plays country somebody comes in and plays pop somebody comes in and plays you know heavy metal or rock and roll and it's like nothing in this makes sense it's just like it it's just happening around you and I was like you know what's the best the best places you go to the vibe is informed by the music the sounds mm. that you hear and even if it's nothing even if there's no music playing like that's its own mood and so i'm a music fan a music guy i was like well i think and i've always loved like playing with jukeboxes and like surfing through and nothing gives me more joy than like seeing a jukebox that's curated and being like that's relatively new like somebody yeah. knows what yeah. they're doing and they put that in there for a reason so the concept was like let's just create this jukebox make it interactive get people to try new music like giving free tokens out to people and letting people play music that way was like a way for people to engage with it without any cost of admission to do so and the secret the sort of you know the you know worst kept secret at this point was like you know if i give joe if i give you two tokens and you pick two songs you're sitting there with your group of people and be like i picked this behind the scenes i'm I'm the Wizard of Oz being like, actually, I picked that. <laughs> you know what's funny? Everything, there was a bar in Ag and because th that was one of my favorite things to do, was in my mind, I was setting the tone for the bar. Yeah. It, it was, it, it was uh, uh, obviously very arrogant to think that everyone was just like, thank God Joe played this. But like, bless his heart. But really. I loved, I loved They're going to. They're still talking about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sure, that bar closed, but the memories are still there. But <laughs> Those I, I love to talk, they cry. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I loved going to the jukebox because I loved just the 
hit the button, boom, the thing flips. Hit the button, boom, yeah. the thing. I love that. And I always, I always had extra dollars on me for the jukebox because I, I always wanted to do that. And I really love that that aspect of it. I, I really did. I always did. And also, I think Touch Tunes, Touch Tunes, I think has a a a, a, a function where if you pay extra, your song moves yes. to the front. Yes. And I thought that was a real dick move. Yeah. Like, I, so whoever created, whoever added yeah. that <laughs> function is an asshole. I always hated that. A rich asshole. <laughs> a yeah. very rich yeah. asshole. Yeah. Because that's because I mean, you put a dollar into a touch tunes machine and you don't spend the extra dollar to put it up in the queue. Like, good luck hearing that thing because it's just not going to happen. I, I mean, as a rule, I sort of try not to engage with them if I'm out. I have, I do find it irresistible sometimes to play music if I'm in a place with really bad music and be like, I need to bring this up and i don't over inflate my own personal taste but it's like i have a general sense of what works and what doesn't work and like if i hear something that is not working and there's an ability to change it it's like all right i'm gonna do that right now oh i i the thing i, I love, love that I, I i would love to go to a to, to a bar like that and just be like what's that joke from the league like hope you guys are ready for seven dollars a hoopa stank <laughs> <laughs> and just start crushing that song out the same song yeah. over and over again it's well funny. that's the thing i love so much about the jukebox at jukebox is that it's so you have your standards your classics but you will throw in there like a butos band or oh, yeah. uh I, I don't know if you've done it before, but a band like uh, Red Fang, but you can still get, you can still hear your classics of like, you know, Prince or, ex, totally. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I will say too that I learned a lot about music gaps in my sort of like my fandom, like from people being like, you know, one of them was, um, oh, of course, now I'm in a blank on it. Um, Di different bands I'll, it'll come to me but like people would be like oh you've never heard this and so it's like a gang of four it's like oh yeah like this influence this who influence and it's like okay well i gotta have that in there so to the point of like having standards we have a hundred album jukebox we always keep the first 12 there's 12 facings on every page the double zero to 11 track uh, discs in there all the time are dedicated to inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, cool. So you always know that there's something literally for everybody starting with that. And so I even went the extra step where I was putting like little stickers on all of the albums. Not all of them, but like for all the Rock Hall inductees, there was an emblem that said that they were members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and what year they were inducted. That's and then... Cool it started to evolve where it was like, all right, well, we're going to promote bands coming to town. So insert band coming to the Nautica stage. I'd put a sticker in there telling you the date that they're going to be there. So we are not a rock club. We are where I hope to fit into Cleveland's music history is like we're a conduit. Like if you're interested in going to Nautica, but you don't know who you're going to go see and you see a band on there and it's like, oh, well, you know, they're coming there. I have a free token in my hand. I'm going to listen to one of their songs, and maybe it encourages you to go buy a ticket. If that helps, it. I've, I've heard it from a lot of local bands, Teddy Boys and um, different artists, uh, the... the 
uh, mahalos, like guys that are like, yeah, like please put this in your jukebox because we want people to be able to hear our music and you have a free jukebox. So if people know we're local or know that we're playing at Happy Dog or whatever, like that helps. So that was the way that we've always used the jukebox. This is a little bit of a bittersweet conversation because we have not quite brought the jukebox fully back yet with the pandemic. I was it's, just going to say, I don't remember seeing it last yeah, time I was in there. It's, <laughs> it's there. It's still there. But um, certainly with like the way like you know the health and safety was last year, we were obviously not going to be handing out tokens to people. Um, We didn't really want to encourage people to be walking. Like, we're trying to keep people seated. You didn't want to bring people up. So we're trying to figure out how to bring that back in a a way. And admittedly, if you haven't been inside Jukebox in a while, we're doing things different. Our our logistical operation is different than it ever was before. We're Excuse me, we're seating guests on our patio in a different way. It used to be very free form. Come grab a beer at the bar, seat yourself outside. And just as a matter of like practicality, we started seating people and now we're 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 functioning a lot more like a like a restaurant, like a higher volume restaurant and bar. And so figuring out how to bring the jukebox back into that is sort of our it's step two to our reopening so but we always we've always kept the jukebox dynamic i was always changing the music in there like literally 40 to 60 percent of it would change every month so it was always a little bit different but we're trying to bridge that gap and i give a lot of credit to john Bassesi who runs he's one of my main bartenders but he's really been curating like our music and our playlist to keep our vibe really on point still savoring the 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 history of rock and pop and and rap and things like that that are very much a part of us and bringing it into the new so we're figuring out how we evolve as a bar but i think the one thing that I feel really confident in is that people come to Jukebox now not because of interacting with the Jukebox, because they like the space, they like the food, they like the drinks, and and hopefully as we whatever iteration we continue with, they'll still there's always going to be a musical bent. We've we've hosted you know vinyl DJs and we used to do a vinyl night all the time. That'll be coming back and I I I. I, I I do think I, I I put you and Flight and LBM in the same category in terms of that because you, you mentioned you know you have and this is the one thing that I don't have where I live right now and I hate it is I because I really thought I really wanted to and I've always wanted I wanted a neighborhood bar mm. you know there's a I don't give a shit. They're not listening. McGinty's down the road. I hate that place. Like mm-hmm. I don't like the bar. And I was like, oh, Irish pub. End of the. I'm like, but every time I go in there, I'm like, I don't like it here. And mm-hmm. I always wanted one like that. So having that is, I think that it goes back to I think all those things, which I think the reason you've been in business for seven years and the reason I think you're going to be in business for a long time is because the character thing we talked about, the way that you guys have conducted everything through the pandemic, because we all could probably name three bars or restaurants right now that we know we're not following those guidelines during that time that that's a, I mean, there's a couple within a couple miles of here that did that. And I think those things are 
that resonates with people. I, I really think so. And I think especially now when everything's kind of exploding this year as far as like everyone's just dying to travel, dying to get out, 100%. the first thing to do is make sure we go to those places that we know treated everybody good. And, and it, it, I mean, you know, I'm not, I, I don't think you're the kind of guy that's going to put jukebox on a billboard over 71, but I also think that you're the kind of guy and the kind of bar. We're that, a 490 kind yeah, of bar. Yeah, you're kind of a 490. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Much, cla- much more indie because <laughs> no one really knows what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, you're, you're a word of mouth type of bar. 100%. And, and, play like, and, I, and I, we were talking about Noble Beast earlier. I, I don't. I think that was a word of mouth brewery, man. Because yeah. when I I used to work right by there, and when I first started going there, the place was never very crowded. Yeah. And I think, but we told anyone that would listen that this is a place you got to check out. It's good, got good food, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you know, I like that was sort of the way I was pitching jukeboxes, when, especially when I was introducing myself to the community I was in. Was like, we're going to be a neighborhood bar, yeah. but like, you know, if the neighborhood doesn't like you, like you're going to go out of business. So yeah. I feel really lucky and really going back to sort of the Chicago thing, not to linger on that, but I don't know that my business would have succeeded in Chicago to the extent that it has in Cleveland. And a big reason is because Clevelanders and especially the people that are in my direct neighborhood, they were really excited about a bar like ours opening. And just the the only thing we could do was sort of screw that up. And thankfully, like we have customers that have been, they were there on our opening night. I can tell you, I came here today directly from Jukebox, and there were two people sitting watching the Euro Cup final that I know were there on our first night. And these are people that are there they're That's there crazy. all yeah. the time. They've they've supported us throughout, and so the, my sort of like my three pillars of like what jukebox is in an in like a summary was like I wanted jukebox to be a place where I could bring a date, hang out with my friends, or bring my parents yeah. at any hour of the day. So our music is never overly loud. We're not trying to blast people out with vulgarity, but it's still hip. It's trendy enough that like you'll hear music you know and like, and you can still socialize and have a conversation with people, meet people. I think one of the things that makes me feel like the like warms my heart the most with jukebox is how many people have formed friendships and relationships through jukebox. I mean, there's we're the kind of place that a lot of people will come alone and that doesn't make them like degenerate drinkers that just means that maybe they're not from the area and they know that it's a good place to go and meet and talk to people and create relationships and so that to me is one of the best and namely i met my wife at jukebox you also have a pretty good eye for staff too so that's one thing i've always when i do get a chance to go there like i i know that i'm going to see a friendly face i know i'm going to interact with a cool person oh your staff's great yeah, thank you. Really, I agree. Really so every, awesome. and I and I've never, I've never had a problem if a waiter or waitress was clearly having a bad day. I've done that. The job can suck sometimes. Yeah, everyone at your, every one of your employees, I mean, it's like. They just got some really good news and then came to my table. I mean, they're all, they're all really, really nice. They're really friendly. Well, that's what just, I try to do. I try and yeah. sit in the back and just constantly deliver really good news to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't call out Caitlin, Tony, John, other Tony, uh, Sarah, the folks that have been with me, Krista, who helped me develop our pierogi menu. I mean, 
the people, I am lucky that I have not had to lay off many people because of work performance. Mm. And people that have left almost across the board have left on terms that are like, they're leaving the industry, they're moving out of the area, but it's like, the door's always open, you want to come work a shift, you want to come, you know, celebrity bartend, like, they still come as guests, they're, they're friends, these are lifelong friendships that I have, so I would, be, I, I, Jukebox is mine, but it's all of ours. So we're well, all very good. I, I think one of, one of the reasons for your success, and I don't think you even realize you even said it, because I just think that's the kind of owner you are, is that you were talking about the two people that were in there when you left that were there on your opening night. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure places do have that. The difference is, is that the owner doesn't always realize that. And you being able to realize those two guys, I think they were there the very first time. Like, you know who they are, and you remember those things. I don't think they were there. I know they You know were they there. were there. Well, yeah. that's what I mean. And like actually, you... and they're not unique. And that's, I don't know, I guess, like, that is one thing that is maybe that's what makes a neighborhood bar. But, like, I'm not the only one who knows most of our customers by on a first name basis and if we're not there we'll get there like you're saying the people that come to your table that like you know are happy to see you and yeah like all it takes is a couple of visits and then before they're just like let's just break down this wall i'm so and so what's your name and that and i mostly because it's like i want to know what you drink i want to have it ready for you when you sit down and like that that's the customer service side of things is like really key and you also you know, this is true of any business. I think that su the success of a business is relying upon being in your business. And I work yeah. in my business. I mean, I'm not serving all the drinks, but I'm there. You're not a hands-off owner. Like, you're no, in the thick no. of it, too. Yeah. No. But I'm also, I would hope that my staff doesn't feel like, I also don't micromanage. Like, I feel like I guide people in a way that's like, this is for the better of the whole, not about you or any one person. But... We're, we're trying to be, we want to be great all the time. And they come in, they take that ownership. They f I know many of the people that have worked for me over the years, like they have a pride in what they, what they do and how they do it. And it goes beyond me. It's because they're, they're the only, we, we run on a lean staff. Like if, if the bar, if the customers are having a shitty experience, there's only one or two people to point to if it's not going well and you only have to get caught in the weeds that way a couple times before it's sink or swim and fortunately like i say i i have not had too many people that have just like not worked out mm. well i'm assuming as a as a business owner you love getting advice on what you should do with your business because i actually because i'm about to give you some right now i like it when they t when they tell me what i should do perfect like, and i'll then yeah, i'll phrase this please. differently yeah, yeah. Um, no i was thinking about your thing with the music and i yeah. why don't maybe i should tell you off in case this is a really bad idea no, no fuck it i'm gonna do it um have the servers to bring the jukebox back into the mix have the servers you have a list of your beers and your cocktails and your food have a list of songs in your jukebox and be like if you'd like mark the song out there and we'll play it for you well hey that's actually not a bad idea yeah. like we'll, almost... we'll add a quarter to your bill or something yeah. like that or free but if you see anything on there not saying it'll get played for sure but uh if you mark it down there because we, yeah, we're being safe with covid we don't have one touch the buttons and everything you know we'll go ahead and play it for you let me know <laughs> well you know it's interesting so that's actually that I'm looking for ways to do exactly what you're describing. And yeah. I haven't heard of it in that way where we have like sort of a pre-selected, like 
you're picking from this list. Yeah. We actually, there was a period of time last fall where we were like, all right, well, we still want people to pick the music. Right. So we put on like these little placards at the table, like text this number and text us a song and we'll play it. And it became touch tunes because people were like, want, like requesting really mm. bad music. And then it's like <laughs> that we weren't playing it because it was no good. And then they're getting upset and they're like, I texted the number, but, and we're like having to have a difficult conversation. We're like, but we're not playing All Star by Smash Mouth again. Yeah. Like, this isn't happening. No so, one really wants to hear that stupid period. Friday song again. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And okay, so it's now, just. Now like, we're just hitting home with some of my vinyl upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> she puts Smash that on Mouth vinyl? vinyl? <laughs> Oh man, that would be so funny! You can get that on. I'd buy that. Me, I'd be like, "Here's a blank check. You write whatever that costs, and it's mine." Uh Yeah, yeah. no, I love the idea of figuring out a way to like get the get the tables involved. I think QR codes have been a really great thing Mm. for businesses. Like we we are no longer doing paper menus. Like I don't know that we will ever go back to them. It was a huge cost, and just sort of the. I think that's one of the things that just permanently changed, and everyone just like. Turns out we didn't even need that before. It, it's one of those things that when you're forced to kind of not even necessarily evolve, just go in a different direction, yeah. then you re- it's the same thing like work. Like, I'm never going back to work. My wife isn't either. When, when, when businesses were forced to make people work from home because they didn't want to do it, they were, un- they were very much under the impression that you'll, you'll, you'll fuck off and you'll fuck around and you're not yeah. going to get stuff done. You're not going to be efficient. And then when they're forced to, now they're all trying to get out of their leases because they don't yeah. want that overhead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a grander thing compared to the QR codes. No, but I mean, but I think it's, it's one of those things where you're just like, it turns out we just didn't really need that. And everyone's so used to it now, you don't need to go back to yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I think we were, you know, Right when we reopened and sort of our timeline, we were we were closed for the winter just because it felt like it would be a difficult time. Excuse me. But we reopened in April. And maybe there were a few people like in the first month that were like, can we get a menu? And it was like, no, we're going to keep doing this. And you had to sort of coach them through it. But now we're like unapologetic about it. Like you've got a phone in your pocket. If you can't scan it, We'll tell you the web address. It's like it's not like they. It's not like folks don't have the tool to do it. It's just yeah, it's a different way of web. doing things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And you know what? It's just so funny to me that you can spend all that time in your car being on your phone, and then as soon as you get to a restaurant, yeah. all of a sudden Give you, me you a don't piece know. Of paper. Yeah, you don't know how f- your phone works anymore. I had no fucking run. I had a friend from high school came up to see me like about two months ago. And I hope she's listening because I think I even said something to her. We were at somewhere in Tremont. I think we were at the Tap House in Tremont, uh-huh. and we were having breakfast. And uh, we're all sitting there, just cue cart pulling up the menu. And she's like, excuse me, can I have a paper menu? And I remember I was looking at her like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Pull it up on your fucking Don't phone. Be, we're doing yeah. here. Here's mine. I already pulled it up. Yeah. Don't make her do that. That seems like something where I'd have to tell a friend, like, don't be that person. And Just you know, and my, my friend is such a sweetheart. I know she wasn't doing I. I, maybe her phone sucked. I don't know. Like, she wasn't doing it in a, excuse me, like, it wasn't like a very posh Grey Poupon moment. I mean, she was just, she's like, can I have a paper menu, please? I think she just liked wow, it or something yeah. or felt more comfortable with it. But I mean, I, if if us having a paper menu is a limiting factor from being able to come in and enjoy, like, I don't know that we're going to see eye to eye in that respect. They probably and, would have found something else, some other reason to not come back to your bar. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in reality, like, I don't know. If you've gone out socially, you generally know what you like. Like, 
like we'll work with you like if you can't pull up the menu or you don't want to like all right well what what are you looking for we know our menu relatively intimately like we can guide you without it in front of us and still find a way to get you something you'll enjoy and so we're i that's less and less of a problem now but it was one of those things where it was like are people going to be okay with this and generally we've had no issue so it's just a way of doing things no i i I agree i completely agree with that yeah and that's um, like it's not even like we don't want to have menus and cross contamination like at this point i mean now it's like well it's just easier like Here's the thing. Pull it up on your phone. Our whole menu is online. Just go to jukeboxcle.com and yeah. you can find the entire menu. So. And if those three options that I gave you to locate the food and the drinks still aren't working for you, maybe you should go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also off. have a um, – I think you have one of the more underrated patios in the city too. Well, thanks. I really, really like your patio. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, that's the the last because I used to when we originally went there, we would always sit outside if we ever could. But I always really like sitting inside your. It, again, it, it's it, there's there's a couple places that have just kind of like I don't know if it's just me, just like, like my preference. There's like a, again, I keep going back to the word character, but it's a preference. There's something about sitting in certain bars. Having a beer and just having a, it's just I, I feel cooler in some areas for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Like if I'm sitting at you know in TGI Fridays, I'm not going to get the same vibe. But you have that, and we always we would sit inside a lot. And then, and, and your your patio has kind of evolved too. I mean, really, over the last couple of years, a ton. And yeah. right now, it I feel like it is its most fully formed than it's ever yes, been. It we have much. a lot of people that like over the last year that have come in and are like when did this when did this happen like as though we built it and it's like well you know i i give credit like the my landlord planted trees back there to give some greenery but like we now we've got really nice seating options back there it's really cozy we're in a courtyard we were like basically walled in on three sides with a gate but like it's such a beautiful way to enter and exit you you know we've got tvs going i've got some permanent shelter so like we have some sort of weather uh weather shelter out there for all weather and i mean it's it's the best version of the patio we've ever had and now i think the word is getting out it already was out. Like, we always felt that way, like, the first nice day in spring, like, people would be like, is your patio open? And we never really closed it. We didn't have, like, seasonal furniture that we had to put into storage. But but now it's, we think about how we're programming back there. We added a bunch of greenery this year. We've got, like, all these, like, tropical plants. And so it feels really good out there. But I'm with you in the sense of, like, what makes Jukebox is the 13-seat bar, the coziness right there. The bartender is, like, right there with you, like, the whole way. We've got a nice TV there, and it's like moth to a flame. People walk in, and they go straight to that bar. And I get it, because... It's great. No, it's it's it it's there's a couple pl- I mean a couple places that I that I think of are I have a similar in fact like I was in Edison's pub last night. Um and I don't like the back part of it, but I love the front part totally. of it. Totally. I yeah. love love and I went and sat on that table in the corner mm-hmm. and it really wasn't very crowded. So I'm like yelling my order at the bartender, he's yelling back to me. We're yeah, we're we're talking even though we're ten feet away. Yeah. And it's that. It it 
that's what it made me what it makes me think of like like places like that just that that little section right there i had a blast just sitting there having a beer talking to my wife and our two friends yeah. said so for like two hours just doing probably too long but we you know it's just i like that and that's there are certain places that have that type of feel and character at least to, to me like when i and i I'm kind of more drawn to places like that. Like when I want to go, go somewhere and grab a beer, th that's what I think of. I, mm -hmm. I think of places like that. Yeah. And there, you know, I, I actually like, there is real history with that bar itself. The bar we built, but the actual rail, the nice like formed wood edge that is yeah. that we took that similar to, was it called Moriarty's Pub on East 6th Street? That tiny yes. little bar? It doesn't have a bathroom. <laughs> so there was another bar, almost a mirror image of that, on East 12th and Chester, right by Reserve Square. I guess it was on 12th Street. That was closing. They were renovating. They were destroying the whole place to build like apartments and new retail. And I found on Craigslist that the guys that were doing the demo were like preserving... A bunch of the stuff in there and I went over there with the guy who was doing a lot of the work for jukebox and I was like let's go see if there's anything there worth saving and they that edge that wood edge was the edge of that bar that was built in like the 1930s or something and he was like that alone is worth this trip so he took it to a wood shop sanded it and refinished it and that really dictated like how we even laid out the bar because it was like well we're going to do everything around this edge mm. and we always knew it's a small space we didn't we knew that even to get like people in and out of there you sort of have to control some of the crowd like so a couple of our tables are like bolted down but namely with the bar we have stationary bar stools like you can't shuffle them around and that so it becomes like a premium, like on, well, again, pre-COVID, but like when everything was open, it was like, I got to get there because there's only so many seats around that bar. And, you know, I go back to when the Cavs were in the finals for four years and like people would get there early so they could get that spot yeah. or, you know, there's nothing better than going into jukebox on a, you know, Friday evening happy hour and just like bellying up and, you know, you're in good hands there. And... So I, I have I'm sort of romantic about the places I go to, not just jukebox, but like I there's certain parts of all around that bar that I think like that's where I was when I met my wife, and that's where I was when I saw the Cavs win a title. And it's like, it's it's one of those things, and it's obviously it's 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 a thousand times amplified for you, but it's all it it's well it's a reflection of you, you know that that's you kind of want like that that the personality of the character to kind of come out like like if a friend of yours like went into your bar and saw something like some some type of decorative whatever in your bar like oh you know actually i can see this is totally alex's bar because of that because of that little detail or because of the thing that you do well i think in general like i when i opened i was like i'm gonna be spending a lot of time here oh, i yeah. really want us i really want this to be a place that i want to spend a lot of time yeah. in. so i made it as much and you know uh, sort of a reflection of who I am and what I want to be like. So, you want to know what kind of an environment I want to hang out in? It's jukebox. Yeah. Because that's exactly how we drew it up. So. You know, and I I know the 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 thing that I enjoy the best about your patio too. Because you were talking about like you have different like seating options. Because you have the tables, you have like the the, the little big ship shelters. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tents, whatever. Uh, you have the uh, 
the cool little yard. They're like yard chairs. I, I don't know what what the oh, actual like Adirondack chairs. Yes, yeah. but they're they're but they're off. They're off to the side, and I think they might be on an elevated piece of concrete. Yeah, there's like a there's like a <laughs> that's what, where we sat. I loved it. I'm like, I could sit here all day. They're awesome. <laughs> and actually, we. That sort of we we created that during the pandemic because we were like, how do we like seat more people back here but safely? Mm. So I bought these like big pieces of plywood and was able to get some old turf. Actually, my landlord had gotten some turf from Ignatius when they resodded their ground. So I just like staple gunned all this like old like astroturf. So. You plop these Adirondack chairs. It's like you're in like you know a grassy area, and it's a nice. I mean, that's like the best option for people that are just looking to grab a drink and just like chill and relax. Like I wouldn't recommend eating there, but like we have a couple of pods for that variety. You know, we've got big tables. We've got those, and then one of the big revelations. I don't know if you've seen it since we just did it. I guess it's probably been about a month and a half now, but. We used to, we've always had a front patio, which is pretty quaint, and it used to just be more like window dressing, like, sure. hey, this, just so you know, we're a bar, like, because you can't see inside all the time. We took that same infrastructure and built these, like, big drink rails. So there's a two, like, eight, 10 foot long drink rails that are about 18 inches wide that now you can like stand outside and drink and with saucy across the street and all the foot traffic that's on our street like in general uh it's like the best people watching you can get like you have that sort of connectivity from each side of the street and and then the back patio is still like a little secret in the back like you got to know where it's at to get to it it, and, it actually yeah. is yeah it, it's and which again kind of i think adds to the cool of it yeah it's like it's a uh, I, when we took our friends there, um, they knew you had a patio, but I don't think they knew everything you've done to it since. And we took our friends, uh, man, maybe three months ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, they were blown up. They're like, I mean, my buddy was, I didn't even know this was back here. Yeah. It's, but it's, uh, but now he knows. And I mean, he's like, I've gone back there like three times. I take people there now. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you, I, again, it's, it's almost like the, the, it's, and for me, selfish, it's almost like the recommendation of it too. Like when I'm recommending a place, I want people to text me back and be like, you're right. That place was awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's, it, again, that, that's well, why. Well, one of the cool things that we've also done, like we have a sort of a, like a sister relationship with the Cleveland Tea Revival in that, like, when you know when they're open during the daytime like their customers can go back there and sit and enjoy the same amenities they've got a couple of tables back there but they can use our tables like we we sort of work on opposite schedules so it always sort of works that we're not like stepping on each other's toes but one of the big things that we changed was like we used to the only way you could get in and out of our patio was through jukebox well there's a gate on the south end of the building jeremy will know from like parking and doing back when you were delivering yeah but like back over there well now we keep that gate open and so we have people that walk in i i do need to improve like our signage to like tell people sort of how to come in and know where they're at but we have people that i'll I'll, this weekend i'm back there and i've got this couple and they're just like looking around like sort of like where am i i'm like well you're at jukebox they're like oh like around the corner jukebox i'm like yeah this is our space back here and they're like oh great like we just walked in off the sidewalk because 
Because if you're on one side of the building, it is visual, and you're you're sort of like, what's going on back here? But now we've got music back there and TVs, and again, we seat the whole area. So you know you're maybe more so than it was ever in the past. Like you clearly know you're in a place, whereas it used to feel a little more like very casual. Like people would migrate in and out of the back patio. They would smoke back there. We don't allow smoking back there. I think that's improved the quality of like the experience for folks. And, yeah. And you know, I used to smoke cigarettes, so it's not like I'm like trying to be a prude. But it's like when we were only doing outdoor dining, it was like, all right, let's maybe cut this. Honestly, like, as take a, a smoker, walk. I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 I mean, you don't necessarily want to be eating next to an ashtray. Right. Yeah. And we wanted to be selling more food, which we are. So. Yeah. You. And, and again, that's another thing that's. I, it, it's 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 funny to hear and, and like to, to to hear the whole story like about how it came up and, and then because again it's it's I was almost I almost moved you around just like a little bit after uh, when you opened so all the times I've gone there it's just it's again it's kind of changed not like your bar has changed the neighborhood has changed yeah and it's just it's cool to see it really is and I'm always happy when. I find out and get that because I've talked to a lot of different, like, you know, different business owners, like in Cleveland and heard their COVID experience. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that a lot of them, at least in the grand scheme of things, I don't think a lot of them closed. I can only think of a couple places off the top of my head, like two or three that actually did close and places that like I liked, mm-hmm. like, uh, the, the one that I was, uh, was spice out in, yeah. uh, I can't remember where that was, but the, the spice at 58th and yeah, I was, yeah. I was bummed. I don't know if that was the reason, but that one bummed me out, but I'm, I'm glad that places like, you know, flight places like jukebox, like made it through and, and were able to kind of maintain because I, I do think like that, the, the neighborhood bars, the cool bars, the ones that kind of emphasize those, those are the, you know, as things are growing and developing, I, I, I love seeing that. I love seeing that because I think it, it, it helps the city more, but I also like when it keeps, when it keeps, I would consider like your bar, like a, a foundation of that neighborhood. Well, thank you. I, yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I mean, we still think of ourselves as like, you know, new in the neighborhood. There's people that have been living on Church Avenue for yeah. 50 years. Like, we're new to them. Um, so I have a lot of respect and reverence for that community. But I recognize that as it pertains to the new development, we are somewhat of the old guard, even at seven years old. But seven years is a long time, though. In the When you think about, if you ever, like, I'm sure you have, like, looked at stats. I mean, seven years is a lifetime in your industry. Yeah. I mean, a lot of places don't make it past two years sometimes yeah Yeah. when we when we got to one year i felt like we made it yeah like it was like work like now we know we can start in again sort of my mathematical mind it's like all right well now i can i know what we did on january 12th of last year i know what we did in mid-august of the previous year so you can start to create like expectation granted the pandemic throws that off but like I have data like I can go back to and I like there was a period there, you know, probably years four, five and part of six where I knew almost within $50 what we would do in volume on a daily basis. That's how well I knew the business, what our expectations are. The greatest benefit that we have to the post pandemic is that our neighborhood has grown a ton in the absence of us and we're just seeing this literal and figurative thirst that people are having to be out and like 
you know, we can't even predict like guest times. Like yeah. people are sitting sitting there and I, the joke that I've sort of been saying within our team is like, you know, we're seeing people, they're not necessarily, nobody is sitting at a table and just like sitting and like occupying it while we're trying to turn it there. People are still eating and drinking the whole time they're there. But I feel like people are getting to that point in the night where ordinarily you'd look at the person across from you and be like, well, I got to head home. And I think they're probably just be like, I've fucking been home. I know what's there. Like, yeah. I'm going to stay here because I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this again. Yeah. And so that appreciation is just very visceral. So, well, I mean, I mean, again, I mean, that comes out in the way that you talk about the bar and the way that, I mean, I'll see it even more when I visit it again. You know, again, well, I look that, forward to seeing you there. I'm, so, I'm surprised we haven't crossed paths there i'm, I'm glad to hear I'm, well i i don't well you didn't know me at the time and you look busy but you actually sold me my jukebox t-shirt the last time i was in there too wait so i almost think i remember this you came in and you were yes. like you were looking at a bunch of you're like i want one of these like it was just the two of us in there right yeah like, yeah yeah and also i also didn't want to uh um it looked like you were trying to keep people outside so i didn't want to linger too long be like Take your time. I it's actually, I no do. One. I totally remember this. I, bought, this was I think like, the same shirt that you're wearing except like maroon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We have we have maroon <laughs> ones. Actually, more like the koozie. Yeah. We have the koo- yeah, yeah that movie, design. Yeah. It's and awesome. then we've got like a black one. I Yeah, I definitely remember this. Yeah. It yeah. Was a, yeah. As soon as we were in there, I looked at my, because I do, I buy a shit ton of t-shirts. Well, and my, you know what it's My funny. wife was like, uh, I was like, I'm going to, she's like, you're going to buy a fucking t-shirt, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, they looked awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, sweet. you know, we were talking about the gifts, these like, you know, superficial gifts that I brought. I almost texted you to be like, what size are you? Because I was going to bring shirts for you and Brian. But uh, Well, Brian doesn't get any of the stuff that yeah. you get. So he, that's his own fault. Who um, is he again? Nobody. He's not on this He's show. Nobody. Actually, yeah. this really worked out with Jeremy. This might be the new format. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get. All right, so let's. I'm not uh, looking to replace anybody. Brian's a great guy. Yeah, he won't listen to this. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to play. You he's don't have to listen to the ones he's on. Taller, better looking. I'm taller. Yeah. Uh, now well, that I know he's not going to be listening this to is this, an audio I'm going to definitely compliment Jeremy him. is a giant, svelte, like just a Greek god. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'm Lebanese, so I'm the poor man's Greek. Oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just found this out. Wait, <laughs> Lebanese, you're Lebanese you're Native American on Friday. Yeah, I'm both things. I'm two things. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's it, though. That's as I far know, as I didn't know you could, I didn't know you could be two things. It's only two things. He's like 50% Native American. He's one of the most rarest people in the fucking country, and I didn't know this. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, well where can we? Cool. So, where can everybody find Jukebox? Everything is Jukebox CLE. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our website's JukeboxCLE.com. Um, email address JukeboxCLE at gmail.com. Everything comes to me. Um, we're doing. We do music trivia every Wednesday night at eight o'clock. If you haven't played, that is a trip. Uh, my wife and I play with a group of friends. Your neighbors, two doors uh-huh. down, play all the time, um, and that's really fun. We're doing concerts once a month with a classical trio, Opus 216, on third Thursdays of every month, and slowly bringing back some of our old staples like Vinyl Night and the Jukebox eventually. And uh, right now we're just slanging pierogies, burgers, and all the good stuff. So, Well, I mean, 
obviously you're going to, but say no, just keep doing the stuff. You're, I mean, again, it, it's it's the reason that you know you you asked like earlier, like why you know why I reached out to you, like with the the kind of different type of guests we had, and it was simple. Just I really dig your place. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know? well, Selfishly, I, I want to meet the people that own these really cool places. I like. Well, it's you know, and I I told you I listened to a couple of the episodes, and I was like. I'd be surprised if this guy hasn't been to jukebox yet. These guys haven't been to jukebox. It just felt, I figured I'd wait until I was physically in the chair, microphone in front of my face before I asked you, like, why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna do that in an email and give you doubt as to why you there. want me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, yeah. And Brian's dead to us, so. Yeah, I don't even know. Whether yeah, or not. I'm not even sure yeah. who he is. I don't really care anymore. Honestly, it feels like so long ago. I don't, I honestly don't even care. Even though I saw him Friday and talked to him today. <laughs> I don't even remember what he looks like. He just looks just some other ugly comic. <laughs> <laughs> that really narrows it down with your group. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming in, man. Hey, it was really great. cool meeting you. Yeah, no, feelings mutual. I appreciate you guys highlighting Clevelanders, Cleveland businesses. I'm learning from you. I'm looking forward to diving into your catalog. And thanks for having me. It's a, it's ah, a for it's sure, an honor. Man. Thanks. Thanks. Jeremy, what do you got coming up? Uh, I have a show July 18th at Gunzelman's Tavern, so please come check me out there. I'm, I'll be hosting, and I'll probably do 20 minutes at the end. Great burgers at Gunzelman's also. Yeah. Yeah. So get a burger and then laugh with Jeremy, not at Jeremy. Laugh with as him. As long as you're laughing. I don't care. You don't really I'm, care. Who am I trying to He's super anymore? open. Also, if you don't understand one of his jokes at one of his shows, just ask him. He really likes the interaction. Yeah, yeah. Talk just ask during the show. Like, I'm sorry. Can you clarify it. that? I didn't understand if it. If you want to heckle me with like one of the greatest comedians who've ever lived, <laughs> that's fine too. You can do that. Yeah. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you again for coming on. Thank I you, it. For Jamie, thanks for stepping in for that uh, that slacker that I used to know. <laughs> <laughs>